I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I Actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for two more episodes of Millennium, which are not as uh, family-focused as last week, but are still pretty family-focused. It is a real fixation of this show. Okay, that's exactly what I was going to say. I had forgotten just how... Central that issue is to, like, this show's worldview. Yeah. um, We've got identical twins, for example, coming up. Yeah. No, it's very interesting because of the eight episodes we'd covered before this week, you know, the first episode, just straight serial killer. The second episode, a cult. And, you know, then we had The Judge, then we had Dead Letters, so serial killer, serial killer. But these four episodes in a row have all, like, dug into family dynamics in one way or another. Like, really closely, four episodes in a row. And the question of, are you safe as at home? keeps coming up and the idea of people violating the home keeps coming up like last week's episodes were both about that they were about this guy who felt disconnected from homes and kept inserting himself into people's lives generally and their homes specifically then there was an episode about how you know home is a place where you get trapped with your abuser yeah this is an entire episode about a guy who uh, who seems to want to kill people solely to prove that you aren't safe in your home. Yes. <laughs> right? And then we've got the Jeffrey Donovan episode, which we'll talk about when we get to it. But it's dealing with similar issues. So it's like, it's interesting because we talked from the first episode about what the Yellow House represents, right? Yeah. And the show... Like, is not only saying, yes, you're right about this, but it is getting absolutely obsessed with exploring that issue. And not only that, but we're getting less and less by seconds of yeah. the yellow house. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no, Like, you really notice it in, for example, uh, the second episode we're going to talk about. Yep. You know? But even this episode... They don't spend a lot of time at home in this episode. Nope. You know, Catherine plays a key figure in this episode, is a key. Yeah. Has a key, key role in the episode, but. In the episode, but they're not at home. Like, like you can, you can actually notice it if you w- were going to do an analysis. Uh, you would actually sit down and say, okay, so many, so many minutes in this episode, so many minutes in that episode. How much time are we actually spending? Right. Yeah, and in each episode, and I I would guarantee you that if you sat trending down... Trending downwards, yeah. It's trending downwards because you don't even see the home, I don't think, in the second episode. No, I think he spends the entire time on the road. And they talk. Yeah. Oh, and they, they do, do talk. talk. And so I would count any interaction between Catherine or Jordan and Frank as... Yeah. as as these as this part yeah absolutely but it's notable how we're getting less and less of it yeah less and less of the safe place Mm -hmm. okay so uh there's a serial killer running around he hides in people's houses during open houses houses. i'm saying that 
Let me finish my sentence and we'll get to the point you wanted to make. He hides in people's houses during open houses, right? But he only, of course, goes to open houses where the family is still living there. So he's not going to like new houses. He's going to open houses where the family still lives there. He hides in the house and then he brutally murders the mother and the father of the family. Mm -hmm. And then no one has any idea what has happened to the daughter. Uh, which is yeesh. so Frank and Bob. Well, the Bobs. Both of the cops are named Bob. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't notice that before now. Because I only think of one of them as Giebelhaus. But yeah, he's Bob Giebelhaus. They're both named Bob. Yeah. <laughs> two Bobs. The two Bobs. It's just it's weird, but it is the kind of thing that happens. Like you know, it's it's a very common name. There were like four Johns on the show. Uh, NYPD Blue. It's just, you know, a thing that happens. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so they go and they search and Frank hears something coming from the vent and we find out that the killer did not abduct or murder the daughter, but rather he like locked her in the vents. Which is very oh. strange. Well, no, you you think she might have escaped herself, but you have to unscrew those vents to get her out. I know. But that means that she saw. I know, but I'm just saying she. Uh, I'm saying he specifically locked her in the vents. It's my interpretation of that because you have to unscrew them to get her out, and you can't screw an event from the inside. She didn't no, no. lock herself in the vent. No, 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 no. I wasn't saying she hid. Okay. No, no, he had to have put yeah, her in. Yeah, he put her in there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is just a very strange thing for him to do. But I mean, that's what the whole episode's about. And he made sure she watched her parents get murdered. That's it. Yeah. And that was, that was part of his focus. Yes, he needs... Yes, and we find out uh, it takes them a while to put together why he needs that. Yeah, right? exactly. But as we go through the episode... Because she, of course, is not talking. Yeah. No, no, of course. She can't communicate about this because it's so horrific. And that's why Catherine plays such a large role in this episode. Because yeah. as a victim services psychologist, she's yeah. there trying to communicate with the little girl and get her to talk. And, of course, that's a really, really difficult thing to accomplish. Yes, she can get, you know, and, of course, one of the things we start doing is art drawing. Yep. Art therapy. Yeah, and drawing because she can't speak it, but she can draw something. Not that it makes any sense in the beginning. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so it's, um, yeah, it, it is a difficult, difficult episode. As I said, these episodes, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking at, in the way we did last yes, week. Yes, they, they don't have as many, like, deep thematic relevance this time. Yeah, and I had I did have more problems with this episode, and then I'm trying to think it was sort of closer to the end that I have sort of these these issues. I'm going, yeah, this is not going to be over that fast, Catherine. No, you know, um, yeah, it, the the uh, Catherine does try to seem to imagine that like this little girl is going to be okay, uh, okay, and I'm like, she saw her parents getting murdered. No, it's going to take her. A long time. This is this is something that will yeah, come up. If ever. 
Yeah, if ever. I mean, yeah, she, I mean, she will come to terms with it probably if she continues to have uh, therapy and she is taken over by, uh, there must be family members that will take well, over. we're told that she's know. going to a foster home at the end. Yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, we're not even, the, as far as we know, there is no family to take her in because we're told she's going to foster family in the end, which is a rough one. Uh, well, yeah, and that, I guess that was one of the, one of the things. How can Catherine be happy? We know. I mean, yeah, considering, I, you know, uh, two episodes ago with their statement about the foster system. Yeah. You know, how can you be sanguine about the foster system? Yeah, and it's oof. Catherine. What is Catherine is being shown in this episode? It's the first like you have intimations of this yeah. prior but Catherine lives in a idealized world. Yes, a happy place, an idealized world. Yeah, I do, you know, and um, that doesn't bode well. Yeah, for... you know, I mean, yeah, for everybody involved, mm-hmm. right? It's, um, it's hard. I mean, Frank just lives in this world, and after his breakdown has come to terms with the world is full of these people i mean that's what the last episode the you know the with the father yep um that's what that's all about you know that you know you can you can have the pretense of being a pillar of the community but behind closed doors there are monsters everywhere that's that's what i always think Every time I say behind closed doors, right? Oh, it cut this this song from the eighties, behind closed doors, right? Right. Is is sort of this love song. Oof. <laughs> and it's called Behind Closed Doors, right? And it it was one of it was a big hit in the early eighties. But deep down, every whenever time, you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah. the implications of that are not great. Yeah, I mean, I sort of didn't wasn't keen on the song in the beginning but i got less and less and less and less and less keen on the song oh no okay that's funny well no yeah as you're doing as i continue to do my research and my work yeah because oh well i was still working on the fourth sibling oracle that's not going to trigger anything (laughs) or get have any negative vibes that yeah but i tell you yeah doors and um, it is, and that's what we're seeing in, in this and yeah. this, maybe millennium should have called in brackets behind closed doors. This yeah. is what's really going on. Yeah. Because yeah. all of these, that's killers, what the show is obsessed with. Yes. And all of these killers have horrible backstories. Yeah. The but little- the, but the thing is, we also don't dwell on their backstories. Oh, no. No, in fact, it, it is very much that you almost have to piece it together. Yeah. Um, it There is a reference, right? Say to somebody being in, as you say, foster home to foster home to foster home. Nobody yeah. sits around and discusses that except there was the cat yeah. um, metaphor. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so that and that sort of explains it, but they don't dwell on it but anything that you know about moving from place to place there's no attachment yeah and attachment theory 
um, certainly still has a place. If you cannot have, if a baby does not have early attachment. Yep. And it close enough. Never yeah. develop uh, emotional connections in well, the correct way. Well, emotional connections and, and stable. Yeah. I, I always I always say that my parents probably did the first, that we're probably really, really good parents until we were about four. Right. Because <laughs> none of us managed to, you know, the, the trauma started so late with the family dynamics, right? That right. It is not as... Uh, as I said, they probably were very involved with us and creating a stability, whether they knew that or not, right? Right. Cre so that we developed cre very stable core personalities mm -hmm. as we were going forward. Right. So that it's only they after, you know, you started going to school that they checked out in the developmental stuff. Well, well, they had certain and even, yeah, yes. And I don't even think they thought of it as developmental. It was just the way it was done. Of course. Right. And so no, I'm using the technical terms, but yeah. yeah. And um, they kind of. They're off to school. They'll figure it out from here. Well, no, they, no, they were still very sort of involved, except that they were involved on the side of the system as opposed to the side ah, of the system, okay. to a large extent. But that is, that was normal of the 50s and the 60s. Of course. Remember, the system is always correct. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I don't even kind of blame them because you still see it, right? Yeah, of course. It has to be somehow it's or another. It's an attitude that persists to this day. The child's fault, right? Mm -hmm. The child has to learn the lessons. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's getting us away, except that this killer, again. Well, no, this killer's focus is, is right, again, that. destroying the lie of safe homes. Like, so they, and the big, and honestly, that's what's so interesting about the episode. The, um, the big thing that the killer wants is for the uh, is is for the cops to continue re-traumatizing the little girl. Yeah, that's what's and when they figure that out, when Frank figures that out, yeah. because they're pushing on Frank and he's waffling up and down and up and down about whether to talk to the little girl, because of course the Bob, the big Bob. Yep. Um what says but we're we're blocked we don't know how to find this guy we're blocked she's she can tell us yeah and it's true she could if you can get past the trauma catherine is the one who stands between the cops and says no initially mm -hmm. and so the bob tries to big bob tries to get frank to intervene and frank is iffy yeah initially but as he goes along, he suddenly realizes, no, what the killer wants is traumatization. He figures it out that that he wants everybody and he wants to re-traumatize this child mm -hmm. again and again and again. And when Frank figures that out, that what he's getting, what get, what he's doing this for is trauma, yep. is to recreate his trauma in everybody else. Mm -hmm. We don't understand what his trauma is, and I can't say that I am going to do a backstory for him like I could. Well, I mean, we do. 
Um, you know, his parents had problems, and he got uh, he had problems as a child. His parents couldn't do it. They got shipped off with his aunt and uncle on a farm, and he was sexually abused by a worker at the farm. And he's had a rough life of crime since. Like we yes, we get the little details, but it's like that's just you know that's just the tiny bits of it we get. But it's a little off at the end. It's like a little one-off near yeah. the end. Oh, no, it's it's literally like yeah. three lines of dialogue. There is no investigation into this man and his backstory. No. So Catherine, right? So Frank then steps in and says, no, Bob, that's what he wants. Yeah. And we're not going to give him what he wants. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to find some other way to find him. And of course, what it turns out, and this is the thing I like about the episode is, like, this guy needs the attention. Yes. And so when they don't, uh, because his camera got, like, he pointedly got himself you know uh he didn't mind getting caught on camera and then uh of course he wasn't quite visible right uh there was just a bit of him because he he recorded a snuff film of him murdering the parents and then he leaves uh he lets them you know he mails the tape to the realtor who was selling the house right uh to the realtor who was selling the house to traumatize her to traumatize her exactly to make to make her feel culpable in what happened to this family because she was the one who ran the open house and let this guy in like you're the guy who you're the one who let them into this family uh me into this family space and this is what happened and you know frank manages to catch just the edge of his face yes just the edge and so they're like maybe show it to the little girl maybe she knows him like maybe it's a neighbor maybe something like that and that's what the cops want but that's what the killer wants the yes, killer wants to have her to re-experience it it's it's a very interesting take and when they don't bite and yes. when the picture doesn't wind up on the news or anything he yep. decides he has to up his game so not only he kills another woman this time with a shotgun that he brings yep and then he calls the cops on himself. Yeah. <laughs> he pretends because he works as a crossing guard and he pretends that some kids found the shotgun and he just has the. Co- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was that was such a shocker right? when he turns and you just see it's the killer. Yep. It's the crossing guard with all these. Oh, kids. it's so nice. You know, um, it was. Yeah. And so and they get. It is, and he just kills a single woman. Yeah, he kills a single woman with it's a shotgun. Not, yeah, there's no, there's no purpose in terms of traumatizing families. Yeah. But he does target. It's Family, always no, families are his primary target. Yeah, and always with expensive security systems, he gets to hide in the house, mm-hmm. and then when he leaves, the security system goes off. Yeah, when he, he walks out the door. Out four or five minutes to get out of whereas in the second one because it's a really high-tech security system that would be alarm as he was walking there's motion detectors in every room so he the alarm would get called walking around and that one he shuts off the security system because the idiotic you know uh the the guy who what is is running the open house shows him how to do it Yes. Jesus, that scene. So frustrating, this guy. But anyway, he shuts off the security system. And then after he's killed her, he just phones 911. And as Frank says, you know, you've probably got the killer's voice on tape now. Yeah. Because he wants the attention. That's why he's doing this. Yeah, it is. It is. 
very interesting. Like full motion detectors means that if you crawl on the floor, they might not see you. <laughs> yes, you have to crawl on the floor. No, because I mean, when I had my security system put in, that was the that's the issue. You know, dogs or cats running gonna... around. Right. Yeah, and so you have to yeah, you have to create a dead zone by the floor where people are yeah. free to move without it going off. Yeah. Well, where cats and dogs are depending on how big your dog is, right? Well, yes. That's another that's another question. <laughs> but yeah, um so that's that's part of it. But no, he just the, the yeah. guy shows it to him. How to how to how to how to work it is what he says. Yeah. He shows him how to work the security system, and then suddenly this lady gets shot. It's it's a rough one. So they the cops have an idea, uh, which is they set up their own open house to use as a honey trap for him. Yeah. And the thing is, they know what he looks like. You know, yeah. <laughs> they because and we forgot to mention this part because it's so minor. They go through all the names in the um, in the sign-in book at the yeah. first open house, and their graphologist points to this one name. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, as being weird and this saying like, this guy has obsessive personality. He's driven. This is your killer, says the graphologist. Yeah. And he's right. He's I mean, he right. He is right. But it's it's funny that a graphologist is the one who uses uh, who figures it out. Well, because he's the one he's the one too. what he says is that this guy probably set his signature in place and has never changed it even a little since he was a kid yeah yeah and, and so the you're right and the arrested emotional state is the kind of thing you'd look for in this kind of killer uh mm -hmm. and he used the name of one of his neighbors yeah. <laughs> uh right and uh and so we see bob giebelhouse go and look for the uh look for the guy and they're, they're like well there's no way this is the killer but we see that the killer is watching the, all of this happen from across the hall. Because, again, it's one of his neighbors whose names, name he used. Yeah. And when they find out the uh, when they and the reason they figure out who the killer is, is once they've got they do a background check of the <laughs> of the security guard, the sorry, the crossing guard, you know, after the crossing guard calls them in, they do a background check. They're good at their job. And what do they find? That he's the guy who lives across the hall. From the person whose name he used at the yeah. thing. No. So, yeah, no, like no. The, the clue worked. Like they got led right to him. Uh, and so they set up their trap and he walks right into the um, the fake open house because they're told where he's told that it's uh, it's a model home for development. But the developer is living. The contractor is living in it with his wife. So it's a perfect target for him. But he immediately recognizes that he's been uh, that he's been made and leaps out the bathroom window, and they search for him and can't find him. And Frank said, "But Frank's thing is, uh, it doesn't matter that we've been searching all day. He's still here, right? He won't have gone. Like this whole thing has been about getting our attention. He's not going to run off now that he has it, which yeah. is you know an interesting idea. Uh, and so he says, send everybody else home." And we will, and we'll just walk around at night and we'll spot him once he thinks he's safe. Yep. And so Frank's, that night, Frank sees a dog who has been locked out of its own house. Yep. And uh, Frank's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> this is it. He uh, gets into the house. Here's screaming from upstairs. They search the place. The killer gets the drop on him, but the dog is having none of it. Yep. <laughs> 
and tackles the killer, knocking him over a balcony. Uh, yep. And landing on a glass table, a glass and iron table, slashing up his throat. Uh, which, you know, leads uh, okay. Bob and Frank to have a very real conversation about whether they should call an ambulance. Yeah. And 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 Bob says, I've forgotten the number. And Frank says, fine, okay, I'll call. I'm going to have to call. And so he walks slowly up. To the <laughs> yeah. He's not in a rush to get to the phone. No, no, no. This guy bleeds out. Yeah, probably. Honestly, I mean, we see him being carried yeah. away and they find out who he is. But who the hell knows? He might not make it. Uh, you're certainly not going to find out from the show because this isn't a show about resolutions. And uh, doesn't care about the killers. No, we do. Uh, we do get a cut back to the hospital, though, to show the child, Patricia Highsmith. I don't believe it because we do not get the name. Like we know her name is Patricia. Yeah, but we don't get the last name until the very end. If you look at the credits, right? I'm going. What do you mean, Patricia Highsmith? Yeah. <laughs> go back oh my god oh, it's not the credits no it's not the credits the uh they do actually show it in the episode uh catherine looks on her bed in the hospital and the yeah. name is written on the bed that's like, right patricia highsmith what yeah that's right it's written on yes it's written as she's author looking. of the talented mr ripley and strangers on a train yes okay so and we always ask whether patricia's so are they they I, we're going Okay, so they're trying to tell us that Patricia Highsmith must have had a backstory like this one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that's how, yeah, yeah, that's how, yeah. this is how you create a thriller author. This is, this is, this is also. Childhood trauma. Childhood trauma. And this is also how you actually work through your childhood there, trauma. By writing about it. Exactly. See? In art, hey, art therapy, once again. Yeah, art therapy. There was, there was, um. There was a, an author, uh, Canadian, so this would have been in the 80s, and she wrote a book, Daddy something or other. But anyway, she was writing, again, crime novels. Oh. And she wrote, oh, she wrote four or five, but she was getting, she was starting to, it's always the late, it's the 30s, they get it for women, the 40s with men. Right. But generally speaking, that's not a statistical <laughs> statement of any sort. Yeah. But based on my personal looking at this sort of stuff, that the traumatization seems to hit much more in the 30s okay. for women. And so, but she started to have nightmares and things and finally went into therapy. And then she just went, oh, shit. So I've been working this out, all of this incest. Through my stuff. Oh. Through all of my novels. Damn. She'd been basically doing her 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 self therapy yep. in novels. I did it in you know. I mean, I you did, did it, it in academia. In academia, which is even but it's weird. The same thing. But it's the same thing, and you finally have to get a therapist that is going to help you put all of this sort of stuff together. And put, let's face it, get it put in its proper place. Yeah, and that's that's what you need. But it was it was yeah. So who knows what Patricia Highsmith, I've never looked into her and I didn't after this either. Yeah. But, you know, I would assume that's what the episode is trying to say by calling her. It wouldn't shock me. You know, yeah. I mean, maybe you could just say, oh, well, 
You know, it's just, it's just, this is the kind of, the killer is the kind of people she wrote about. I'm like, I think it's probably deeper than that. Oh, I, it was always when you look. Yeah, come on. Every, nobody wants to say this. And I say that for the most part, if you, if you end up working on a PhD, there's got to be something personal that matters to you. Yeah. And it may be very obscure and it may be hard to find. But it's but there. Yeah, but it's there. And I will tell you, it's the same thing. Jean-Paul Sartre came up with this whole thing. But when you start looking at his backstory Mm -hmm. and his family and everything else, you're going, okay, so that's how he worked this all out. That's how he worked it through. All this this dualism, right? Yeah. Trying to work out and you come up academically um, with something, right? And uh, it was a friend of mine who once said something about somebody said, well, yeah, sure. Of course, they did their PhD on communication. They can't communicate a damn worth a damn. <laughs> right? You study you study your areas that obsess with you, and you often obsess about them because you're weak in them, because you yeah. have some trauma related to them. Trauma, you know, trauma is. Hey, humans wouldn't have made it this far if we didn't process trauma as the most important thing. Yeah, and because because we have to identify danger. Exactly. And yeah. it doesn't matter what the trauma is. No, nope. right? no, it all gets filed away the same way. Yeah. And it, it messes itself up in your mind. It connect makes connections and you have to undo mm-hmm. connections because when you're, when you're this age, she's going to make, she's the same age as Jordan. So she's about five. Yeah. Right. And so she's the same age as Jordan and um, Jordan comes up in the next episode too, but she, and, and she, she has, and I would assume they're also making that comparison between the two two daughters, because yeah. of course is, her life has been nothing but without trauma, mm-hmm. right? Because she doesn't understand that Daddy being home all the time was actually Daddy working through his trauma. No, no, this was great. Daddy was was the house father, right? Um, yeah, and he was he was you know, the primary caregiver, that was all she cared about. Yeah. So her life has been untraumatized, essentially. The biggest trauma was the bird. Yeah. Watch watch this as we're going along. Um, And see how, yeah, yeah, see what happens to Jordan. And we're going to have to watch for a through line with her character. Yeah, because I think that, that that's kind of the through line that's going, because here you have these two little girls juxtaposed the one mm-hmm. has curly hair. Patricia Highsmith has straight hair. And mm-hmm. Catherine makes a thing of this. She said, I'll bet you you want curly hair. Yeah. Because my daughter, who's got curly hair, wants straight hair. Yep. Right? So she makes these, like, connections. The comments, yeah, of, like, yeah. the two of these little girls being mirrors of one another. Yeah. And the one is highly traumatized and called Patricia Highsmith. And the, one has, the other one has been completely sheltered from the world in her yellow house. Yes. And yeah. so um, it is it, it is a fascinating episode when you start looking through through lines, which, of course, we never got to do the first time. We no, because we didn't, you know, we didn't see the whole thing that this show was trying to do. Now we can look at it as a whole in a very interesting way. Yeah. And it's- honestly, but I mean, again, I just find the the like this focus on the home as being so compelling. Yes. And oh, so interesting. 
Yes. Like it is what this show is most concerned with in a, just a fascinating way. Well, and from my from my perspective, like I and it is because my mother couldn't go home. Right. And I was always able to go home no matter how much I effed up. Yeah. I could always go home and I always knew I could go home. Yeah. I could there was there was shit to be paid. Of course. <laughs> price to be paid for going home um, but it was always an option in a way that your mother you know being from uh not only it, being from the netherlands during the second world war but a whole lot of other personal stuff that isn't our story to tell here well no i can did I've not have the op we've talked a little bit about it yeah uh, but I no blog, so. it was not an option for her to ever go home again yeah, yeah. and she never did Nope. Never speak to her mother. No. Ever again. And it's fascinating. Yeah, and it is fascinating when you're watching this and you wonder how you get these insights, right? Mm-hmm. Like, God only knows. I did a paper in grade 11, Health on Divorce. <laughs> that horrified my mother. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> no. Because divorce, her parents getting divorced, was what led to the hell that yeah. she had to live with her mother and her second husband. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's an interest, like it's, uh, it is again, universally, these have been really good episodes, but these last four episodes, right. Are just, uh, just fascinating how they are thematically all laser focused on this one idea that has been percolating, you know, deep in this show the whole time. And now it has just become come to the forefront and it's just making the show that much better. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to the second episode. Uh, what's the title on this one? The Wild and the Innocent. I have the page up. Okay. Thank <laughs> you. So uh, yeah, Jeffrey Donovan's in this one. Everybody loves Jeffrey Donovan. Uh, if you if you just listened to us yeah. talking about touching evil for thirteen episodes, yeah, uh, we had a lot of really nice things to say about Jeffrey Donovan. Uh, can't get yeah. enough of that guy. We're we're big fans here. Burn notice. Whatever. We love Jeffrey Donovan. Uh, he's in this two, three years before his, or four years before his breakout role as the star of Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. That's uh-huh. a joke. No one remembers that movie. Uh, no one knows he was in that movie. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so here's the plot of this episode. Uh, remember that Criminal Minds episode, I Love You, Tommy Brown? Here's where they ripped it off from. Yeah, exactly. Is that the is that you know the correct way to say it? <laughs> this one's much better. Oh, it's much better. And now, to be fair, all right. To be fair, both episodes are cribbing very clearly from the movie Badlands. Yes. No. No. For sure. Yeah. It's both bad. of them have the movie Badlands and the Charles Starkweather story, like in mind. Yeah. But the specific plot of this episode is really, like, suspiciously close to I Love You, Tommy Brown. Yes, I Love You, Tommy. Yes, suspiciously close. Suspiciously close. close. They changed it to being the story of that lady who kept sleeping with her students. Um, but. But. I, it's, I'm just saying, there's a pretty good chance they uh, they watched oh, this watched episode. Them. I'm just saying, there's, there's a non-zero chance this episode got watched. Yeah, by not. whoever was writing that episode. All right. God, there was the funniest murder she wrote about 
uh, ripping off plot lines from Jessica Fletcher. Never oh, mind. God, yes. I love that one. It, it was so, it was so funny. Yeah. I was really disappointed, though, Okay, that in the year of um, the the writer who goes to Jessica Fletcher about the fact that her producer has asked her to rip off Jessica Fletcher's book is a very, very fun character. And I mean, this is me going really into the weeds of the show Murder, She Wrote, but bear with me. In season six, she wanted to quit. Right. And so that season, they did like 11 episodes of that season were backdoor pilots for a show they could do instead. Uh, and one of them, the Dennis show, they actually did make, uh, they never aired it. So they just aired the six episodes they had shot of the Dennis show as episodes of murder. She wrote, but like they produced a Dennis show. Uh, so it's just worth thinking about. Okay. Uh, but anyway, the important part of it is though, they, one of the episodes was about a lady writing a cop show in Hollywood. And I was always really sad that they didn't bring back the character from that episode. Yeah. Oh right. Well. Cause Jessica knew someone who worked on a cop show in Hollywood. <laughs> it would have been the perfect character to bring back, but they didn't bring her back. I was really sad about it. Friends Jessica has. I know. I know. She got a lot of best friends. Oh yes. In weird, in, you know, in high places and low places. It's Jessica- true. Everybody, she went to Saskatchewan. There's literally an episode where, like, she goes and hangs out with Tennessee Williams. Now, it's the fake TV, the show version of Tennessee Williams, but it turns out she's buddies with Tennessee Williams. Yes, I know. That was, I saw that one recently. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. And I should make it clear. Straight Tennessee Williams. Yes, of course he's straight. Because it's the 1980s and you can't have gay people on television. It's a very funny episode. Like, yeah. if you know anything about Tennessee Williams. It's a very, yes, because, come on. Yeah, come God. on. But anyway, the point is, uh, yes, we're not accusing anybody of plagiarism. We're just saying that to the way that um, the blood relations was to best boys. Yeah. I love you, Tommy Brown is to this episode of Millennium. Yeah, I would, I would think so. And as I, as you're saying, it doesn't matter which Badlands movie you watch. Yeah, whether you watched Natural Born Killers, whether you watched Badlands, uh, whether you watched this episode of Millennium, it's all, it's all t- cribbing from the same stuff. But it's just like the structure and the letters to the Tommy Brown versus the letters to her child sound really similar. Well, yes, but and the funny thing is, is that I initially forgot that they were letters to her child. Ah, okay. And she was writing. So I I actually remember, I mean, it has now been uh, 20... Uh, nearly 30 years since you watched these episodes. Nearly 30 years since I watched this, right? Yeah. And I'm going because they have the side plot that brings them into this family. Oh, God. And what a great... Okay, so that, oh, this is a fantastic side plot. plot. Okay, so yeah. um, uh, the episode opens with a funeral yeah. of some lady. And then we go back home uh, where that woman's husband goes to sexually assault that woman's daughter. Now that uh, now that the mother's not there anymore to provide any resistance whatsoever. And then a guy comes in, Jeffrey Donovan, and clubs the man in the head like brutally. Yep. And we assume that he's killed the man. Yeah, we assume he's killed the man. Right. But we don't know that for sure yet. So then cut to... uh, cut to the millennium group and it turns out 
The, the guy who just got clubbed over the head and has mysteriously disappeared and whose wife slashed her wrist in the tub or was, you know, had her wrist slashed in the tub. That's that's never satisfactorily answered. Oh, that's not answered. Whether he murdered her, whether she killed herself. Um, turns out he's he's fake Richard Speck, a guy yeah. who killed who stabbed a bunch of nurses to death. Yep. And, and he's been on the run since. He's been on the run. Yep. Like, and so now they, they assume that he killed his wife and knew he was going to be found out and is now on the run. And that's what they quite, because, uh, the car, they, the reason they find it out is while, you know, driving around, we find out that he isn't dead because they get pulled over, you know, Jeffrey Donovan and the lady get pulled over by the cops for a broken taillight. And it turns out the guy we thought was dead is just tied up in the trunk. And he makes a noise and Jeffrey Donovan murdered the cop. But the cop, being good at his job, had already radioed in the license plate. Yeah. And so when they look into whose car it was, that's how they find out it's Richard Speck. And they assume Richard Speck had shot somebody. Yes, they just assume that Richard Speck is the bad guy and they're chasing Richard Speck. Yeah. Until and Frank gets a look at the uh, videotape. Yeah. The, the, like the still can or the, like the, the shots from the dashboard camera of the cop's car. And he sees that there's somebody young or small yeah. in the seat because they're just assuming that it's Richard's, the Richard Speck character who's driving the car or is sitting in the driver's seat. Exactly. In the passenger seat. In the passenger seat. Because yeah. the, the guy who does the shooting is Jeffrey is Donovan. Clear, is Jeffrey Donovan and is clearly does not look like uh, Richard Speck. Yeah. Right? And so they, and plus, as Frank said, Richard Speck never shot, I mean, again, I, we can call him Richard Speck, whatever the fake character well, name well, is. We don't yeah, care. They don't call him Richard Speck. No. Uh, but it's like, he never shot anybody, you know? <laughs> he was obsessed with stabbing and slashing people. And the fact, when you hear his M.O., that's why you think maybe his wife didn't kill. Uh, right. Herself kill herself so they go back to the house and they look around and they find that like that this so little time has passed since this death that the tub is still full of blood yeah there's still blood all over the bathroom blood all over the floor and there's a big screen television with the word angel carved in it yep on the screen and if you've been paying attention that's what she keeps referring to her child as in the uh person she's writing the letters to is angel it's not clear you keep it's, true. It's, it's her i mean i knew right away because i've seen the you know because i've seen the show before but you're right it's not 100 percent clear it's that she's talking to her clear. child she could be because they yeah. get sidetracked by it might be the father yes it could be her father them. exactly right and that's how her mother ended up with the richard speck character, character. no you're absolutely right it could be Again, I, I think just based on how shows are constructed, it's pretty obvious that she's writing to her child. But that's, that is, you know what, reasonable people can debate about how obvious this is. I'm okay. not going to say I'm definitely right about that. And they leave the letters. No, and I, and I would justify it by saying she, they, they find some letters in yeah. the house. And Frank, that's when they start looking for the father because they can't mm-hmm. figure out who Angel is. Exactly. So there. You're absolutely well. No, because there's no record of her having a child. No, there's no record of her having a baby. Yeah, so they don't. They just don't know that this. By happened. the way, they know it's the daughter Maddie who is her name. Yes, Maddie. Thank you. They keep going, and what we already see is is that 
she, right? It, they keep Jeffrey Donovan keeps going. I think mm-hmm. it's Bobby or something. Um, keeps keeps saying, "Where is he? Where yep. is he? Yep. Right? Where is he?" And everybody mm-hmm. like they keep going from house to house trying to find somebody. Yeah, well, not from house to house. First, they he badgers the the guy, and then they go to this house, and we're like, "What the hell is this?" And we won't find out till for a while mm-hmm. who this is and why it's happening. But he says, "Where is he?" And I'm like, Jeffrey Donovan, like, you know, if you wanted to know where someone is, you could offer a little more detail about who you're asking about. Well, that's what I thought too. Except that when you get to the end, you understand. Everybody knew. Everybody knew exactly what was going on here. What he was talking about and yeah. and and so And why it was supposed to be kept a secret. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it it it, it is Oh no, I mean, when you're watching it, uh, you don't understand why he's being so frustrated, but then in the end you're like, "Oh no, okay, so this was uh okay. Okay, yeah. Yeah, this was an underhanded scumbaggy situation that no one wanted to admit they were involved in." Because yep. he goes to this house and he murders the family in the house. Well, just the husband and wife. Uh, murders both of them, right, uh, as part of his rampage. Then Frank gets a call that uh, a... And this is biggest surprise in the episode, by the way. By far, biggest surprise in the episode. Frank gets a call that a guy coming to do a delivery, you know, knocked on the house and nobody was home when they were supposed to be. And then saw this car sticking a little out of the uh the like the pond nearby yes right like just the tail of this end of this car kind of sticking out they called the cops and so frank rushes over the car and so they drag the car out of the water and it pops open it has to be fast because he can see that the trunk yeah that somebody might be alive in the car and it turns out the trunk was watertight yeah. And the Richard Speck character is still alive in the trunk and had been oh, underwater in a trunk for almost three hours. Yeah. I mean, everybody's surprised watching that moment. Including the Richard Speck character. Yeah. because he, he goes off saying he's so-and-so and they go, no, we know who we, you we are. We know you are. <laughs> There's no point in trying to lie. No, 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 don't bother. Don't no. bother. You're going back. You're going to jail. Right. So... Uh, but yes, they have, um, using ah. information he found in the house, it turns out that the, what has happened here is that she, uh, had a baby, you know, the angel, a son that we've been talking about this whole time. Uh, and the Richard Speck character sold her baby. Yeah. So we would have the money to buy that television. Yeah, of all things, he got $7,000 and bought a big screen TV. TV. Jesus Christ. And the person who brokered the deal are the is the guy at the house that Jeffrey Donovan went to. Yep. So now they have the address of the family that bought the baby. Yep. Or, well, you know, they think they legally adopted it. Although, I mean, because they got it from a lawyer. But still, he's a, he's a you know, a shady country lawyer. Yeah, and well, and here here is the thing. It it is surprising how even even and this is set in the nineties, even in the nineties, how this could easily go on. It certainly yep. went on in the fifties and the sixties. No, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean I oh 
I could tell stories, but anyway, yeah. I'm not going to tell stories. Um, of of different different situations, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. so you had all of these uh babies that sometimes they weren't sold, but this case, this guy, and we never find out who the father of that baby is. Well, I mean, it was probably her boyfriend. Maybe no. Maybe because, no, because what's his face? Was sexually had was having Assa assaulting her. Yes, no, but I mean, it might be. Or the mother died. I know, I out. know. It might have been her boyfriend. It might have been Richard Speck. It doesn't matter who the father was. No, but but the boyfriend. It sure as hell, the boyfriend sure as hell doesn't care about the baby. Richard no. Speck sure as hell didn't care about the baby. It's not really relevant to the story who the father was. We know that it could be either of these two men, but it doesn't really matter because no. the baby only matters to her. And, and the parents who adopted Well, her. of course, and the parents who adopted him. Yeah. You want to say her because she only ever says Angel. But no, it's a little boy. Yeah, like like our TV show Angel. Exactly. His name isn't literally <laughs> yeah, Angel. That's just what she says. <laughs> yes, he's a little angel. So, so, so they have to go chasing after, mm -hmm. get to the house. But of course, Jeffrey Donovan and Maddie get to the house first. But Maddie is looking at the house and saying, but this is a wonderful house. Yep. This is a big, and he's going to, and he's living here. And she's starting to think that maybe it isn't the best thing that they go and take him away. Yep. But you can see it going on in her mind. She's oh, yeah. House, right? It's a really good performance she puts in this episode. Yeah, it, it's, you know. Like, it, everybody's good this week, but she's spectacular she's with, spectacular. like, because they even cut away before, in a very bold move for the show. Yeah. They cut away before we get to them, like, everybody arriving at the house where the baby is. They cut, because this whole time we've been hearing her reading her letters. Yes. And we assume this is just a device. But then we get to her no longer reading a letter and realize she's been reading the letters aloud in jail later. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's such a bold choice because in I Love You, Tommy Brown, we just hear the letters. Yeah. And there's no explanation for why we're hearing this woman reading these letters other than we're inside the character's head. But here there ends up being a diegetic in world reason why we're hearing the letters being read. It's because she's reading them to Frank Black yeah. in the future after this has all been resolved. And yeah. he's talking to her about her rehabilitation. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a smart way to structure this. And it was a big surprise to me in the episode because... Yeah, that no, she's she's in jail. It's the future, and the fact that they show you that is just a daring choice that I really liked. Yes, and Frank and sh and Frank had showed her a picture. And this is where I bring up right. Yeah, because Frank talks to Catherine once mm -hmm. because Brit because Jordan's already asleep. Yeah, and had been trying to stay awake until and he did his check in call. Yeah, and then and then Frank actually shows Maddie a picture of her, his daughter. Yeah. Right? Because it turns out that this couple get to keep the baby because there's a whole scene, right, where she tries to get the baby. She says she she's going to give the baby back to these people. Oh, and Jeffrey Donovan doesn't want a letter and... He's like, what the hell did we do all this for? What the hell did we do all this for? Yeah. If you're just going to let them keep the baby is his point of view. 
yeah, is his point of view. I've wasted, I've killed all these people and I've wasted all this time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now you're going to say, okay, you can keep him. And they've actually sent her pictures periodically. Yeah. Yeah, while she's been in jail. Like, it's crazy because we get a five-month time jump in the well-worn lock. We get a six-month time jump in this. Yeah. (laughs) It's very interesting. Because I was so surprised at the end of the episode to find out that, like, the... that she has been continuously in jail being sent pictures of Angel's progress and how he she's made it clear to them that that's nice and all, but she doesn't want Angel to know she exists. Yeah. She doesn't want him getting caught up in her, like, the mess that her life became. Yeah. And it's, I, it's a great ending to the episode. But by the was, way, she does yeah. shoot Jeffrey Donovan. Yes. Well, she has to. She has to. Because he's going to kill the family. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he's going to kill the husband and wife. And so she's like, no, I'm not going to let you kill my child's parents, is basically yeah. Yeah. her okay. point of view on the subject. It's yeah. it's a good episode. Yeah, and you have the parents and the and the baby together. Yeah, at, at the end. Floor, and you have Jeffrey Donovan dead, and she comes out, and um, so yes, so she's you know, and Frank essentially says to her, you know, shows up, and again, he's got that wonderfully expressive face where it's like he's he's so tired and weary, and he's been chasing her for days, and it's like, and just by looking at him, you can know that he knows everything, and he's here to help. Yeah, it's such a it's such a sweet ending to such a bleak episode. It was it was and one of the few. It's the most positive ending we've gotten in ten episodes. Ten episodes, the most positive ending. Yeah, like Richard Speck is going back to Virginia to go to jail, right? the The baby's with a happy family. Jeffrey Donovan's dead. Like it's it's as happy an episode as we've seen on this show. And the girl will be rehabilitated and will move away from move the hell away from her old life, yeah. And move move away from the child and will never ever ever go and have any contact. Yeah. Because she knows her life was so messed up. Yeah. And she could all she could do is drag him down into it. It's a damn good episode. Yeah. It was after uh, and that's it's almost as if after four Horrible family episodes. We need one episode. That like this, this, this one is a horrible episode, but at least it ends with a positive spin or a positive positive spin. And when it's like, and it suggests that yes, families are constantly under threat. Yes. Your, your homes are constantly being invaded, but there is value in family and there is value in stability for children. Yes. And, you know, that is that is so often we don't get that where the mother actually says, OK, yeah, I'm going to leave. I'm going to bow out. I'm going to bow out because my baby is going to be much better. And better my baby, off here. Yeah. And my baby doesn't even know because she has the baby in her arms and the baby is just crying and crying mm-hmm. and looking at his mother, you know, at his mother. And yep. and she's going yeah, I'm your mommy. I'm your mother. And yet, like, she's, and she knows this child has no idea. She lost the infant. Yep. Probably just after it was born. Soon after. I mean, don't know exactly when, but it was soon because this baby's still pretty young and it's been gone for a while. Yeah, I would think that it was, I mean. Just weeks after the child was born. Yeah. 
You and have to assume. Have, he might have sold it out of the hospital. Well, we don't. Uh, yeah, like maybe. Honestly, it's entirely possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, this man was. Oh, he was he was scum by any definition. Just the worst of the worst. You know, aside from the serial killer stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's he just, was, yeah. even aside from the serial killer stuff, he's just trash. Yeah. No, it's, it's such a good episode, but it's like the first hopeful episode of Malaya. <laughs> That's right. We can do hopeful too. It's not our, it's not our brand. It's no. not what we're known for, but you know, if, if called to serve, we will stand up and be hopeful. Yeah. If called upon to serve, they can manage it. <laughs> it's a damn fine episode, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's just really good. And yeah, in a statement you're going to hear, it's a lot better than I love you, Tommy Brown. <laughs> Duh. I know. <laughs> it's just so, it's, it's so clearly the same episode. And again, you can, I mean, I, again, I can't say anything for sure. All I can say is if you make a Badlands episode about people looking for a baby, they're going to end up suspiciously similar. Yeah. And also in the second episode, Criminal Minds did, uh, that was roughly based on Badlands in their, um, in their, uh, Natural Born Killers episode, which again is also a remake of Badlands. Uh, that time, uh, while I Love You, Tommy Brown didn't feature an abusive father, uh, that episode did. And the 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 Mickey of the Mickey and Mallory team had the last name Donovan. So I'm just putting this all out there. <laughs> I'm just saying they might have taken this episode of uh, Millennium and turned it into two episodes of Criminal Minds. Just putting that out there. It's not impossible. Not impossible. It's not impossible that they watched this episode of Millennium and made two episodes of Criminal Minds out of it. Well, it's it's really weird if we if we were to go go and look at um, Criminal Minds again after watching all of the things that we've been watching, like all the backstories, yeah, the back programs to Criminal Minds, all of the shows that inspired Criminal Minds. It might be interesting to go back and watch Criminal Minds. You yeah. know, the tragic part is, you know, what we'd have to do first though. Oh, we'd have we'd have to watch Profiler, and I know you don't want to watch Profiler, but we'd have to watch Profiler. <laughs> so you know what? That's that's you know we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> and we'd only pick certain episodes. Well, who knows? Like maybe we'll do a thing where we just watch the whole season and talk about the whole season. <laughs> you know, well, to do something with like Criminal Minds. Is you know, it's going to take so long to get back. I know. We got it. Like, we're we're going to get through all of Millennium, I'm sure, before Criminal Minds comes back. And there's only 10 episodes of Those Who Kill, so we're going to be looking for stuff. Just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sure we'll find stuff. Yeah. Always and again, I know you don't want to watch Profiler, but it might wind up being Profiler, given how important it is to the genre. Yes, I know. Okay, we'll watch Profiler. <laughs> and I'll start trying to track down Profiler. Because, you know, that's not streaming anywhere. If I can't watch The Pretender on streaming, you'd be damn sure I won't be able to watch Profiler. And by the way, that's that's the biggest crime in streaming's failure is, where's The Pretender? Where is The Pretender? Where is my goddamn The Pretender streaming services? Oh, yeah. It was such a wonderful show. Now, that is a great TV show. You know? Anyway. Okay. 
We're, we're, anyway, we're, we're drifting afield. But no, the fact is, this is a really good episode. Yeah, it, like is. it is. It's yeah. it's heartfelt. It looks fantastic. Everybody's great in it. It's got a sweet ending. And seeing a family in a better position takes a little bit of the sting off of um, uh, the the bleak fate of Patricia Highsmith at the end of last yeah. last episode. But am I the only one who watched in the last episode... Uh, right. I mean, Jordan specifically wants to know why they don't have another, why she doesn't have another sibling. Yeah. You know, you, you could grab this kid. Yeah. Why not just adopt this? Why one? not just adopt this kid? You know, you've already got all of the household stuff necessary for a five-year-old. I know it's stressful tossing a second five-year-old in there, but Jesus, you know, Frank and Catherine... Yeah, why don't you? And that and that's the funny thing is, right? Yeah. Is that is that they have Big Bob taking the two girls to the car. Yeah. And it's like it in the original but, in the yeah, original yeah, ending of this episode, did they adopt her and then they decided to back out of it? Well, you would think I mean that would make so much sense, but yeah, I mean I was not happy with the ending of the yeah. previous episode. We didn't talk much about but that we, we did enough yeah but yeah it's 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 very frustrating that they don't adopt patricia highsmith at the end of that episode yeah. because you've got you know you've got uh you've been talking about how these two girls are mirrored you've got her you've got Catherine looking sadly at patricia highsmith's nameplate on the door right yeah. at the end as she's being checked out you got bob taking both of the girls to the car together yeah. It's not that hard to sell the idea that they should be adopting this little girl. Yep. It honestly, from a visual language standpoint, it feels like that is what's happening. Yeah. When you watch Bob one hand. No, no, but Catherine's face, the two little girls together, Bob, you know, treating in the girls like sisters. Like it just, yeah. it feels like that's what I'm watching. And it may, it leaves you in a weird place. And when the next episode ends with a happy adoption story, it makes it extra weird yes. that this episode didn't. And honestly, I mean, maybe it did originally and there was just production issues to adding, you know, and to having uh, two children on the show. Yeah. You know, like I, w I will never understand why they chickened out on the plot on Criminal Minds of Derek adopting that child. Adopting Eric Close's daughter. Yeah. Like, I will never understand why they backed out on that and ended up doing that plot line with, um, with Jennifer Love Hewitt and making it a 9-11 thing. Oh, I don't even... I, okay, we don't have to talk about it. I don't want to re... I do not we're not going to... We're not going to reopen that can of worms. That's right. The horrors of some of the seasons. That season of... Yeah. Go and listen. Go and listen as I... Constantly, I'm going. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to watch this anymore. We're but let's not forget. Let's not forget that Jennifer Love Hewitt has such a huge fan base that that was like their biggest season ever in the ratings. Well, yeah, because but it was. Oh no, it's their worst season in many ways. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> It's a very bad season of television, but it's also funny that that was like the season that the most people watched. Well, yeah, I mean, I do understand that. Oh, she's got a giant I, fan base. People adore Jennifer Love Hewitt. 
Yes. So, and I mean, I can sort of understand why, but the writing was so bad. It it was not a good season of television. And it got worse from then on, but, (laughs) Well, we've we've already done a podcast about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. No, but you're right. Like, that's, that's the one thing in these two episodes is that it feels like, and if it hadn't felt like the whole show was teeing us up to they're going to adopt this little girl. Yeah, I think if she so. had just had an aunt or an uncle or grandparents or something. Yes. But a foster home? But that, here I mean, I really, No, and you know something, when you talk about it that when they're talking about getting another child and and of course Jordan says she wants a girl. Yep. Wants a sister and everything else. That probably was the setup and they were going to come to the end where they were going to adopt a second child. Like they were I, gonna- I feel like this whole episode is built towards the ending yeah. being they're going to adopt this little girl, right? Yeah, they're going to. Yeah, because that that thing where she wants a are they going to have another baby? But she wants a sister. She wants a sister, so and then, then we get the mirroring her talking about how you're just like my daughter, seeing the two little girls together, like. And they're t- yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it is um it's as like, if I'm not seeing this I'm not seeing this from nowhere, right? No. Because what it is, as I said, I was not happy with the end and we didn't talk yeah. about it. And, but that was, that was part of the, the situation. And then you would have had this thing with them telling, telling um, Jordan. And they may have actually filmed a session telling Jordan that, she was, that, that they wouldn't have another baby, but they would, that, that she was going to have a new sister. Yeah, right? maybe. Like you could see that happening. Totally. Okay. That they could have been, you know, and that she's going to come in as a foster child first, and then they're going to start processing the adoption. So she's going to get her sister, right? Yeah. And Jordan is going to be absolutely thrilled to have Patricia there. And then Patricia Highsmith is not going to start writing these. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, she's not literally Patricia Highsmith, but yes, no, you are I, right. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Well, okay. No, but it's like it would have been interesting. Now, what happens? Possibly... Because that, and you're, the complication of another child. Because remember, having a child on set is very, very complicated. That's what I'm saying. Was there a yeah. production issue? Yeah, was that, that would be a production issue. And then when they were talking about it, maybe they started to talk about it. And, think, and had oh, second thoughts or, okay. And then, then they kind of kept and they reshot the ending. That wouldn't shock me because, like, you look at Wise Guy. Now, we've watched this show a hundred times, and this is the first time I noticed that at the end of, um, that at the end of the episode where his mother goes off and marries Don Ayupo, uh huh, 100% that episode is supposed to end with him and Angela kissing. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, they, you know, re-edited and cut it before that happened because that character got written out and they went straight into the music industry and did the stuff with Amber. Yeah. Because, like, there was supposed to be a whole plot about him trying to have a relationship with this woman from the neighborhood who's the only one who doesn't, who knows he's not a, a mobster. Yeah. And for whatever reason, they decided not to do that. But you can see the evidence of it in the episode. Yes. And 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 I feel like this episode is the same thing, you know. So whether it was production or whether given what what happens later on, yeah, 
um, in in Millennium, right? It yeah, but I'm just you know what I mean. Yeah. It feels oh. like they're cutting around it. Yeah, no, it feels like there's something wrong with this this the ending of this episode. Yeah. You know, um, if Catherine cares this much, she must hate that this child would be going into foster care. Yeah. It's just slid over. And um, because that's the worst place you can send a child. Yeah. That that doesn't have any other options. And of course, they've got this great big, huge house. I know. There's plenty of room. And they've got a child who wants a sister. But it's like, the crazy part is, given their feelings about the foster care system from two episodes ago, and given how positive they are about adoption in the episode literally after this episode, it seems bizarre that the end of this episode isn't Frank and Catherine adopt this little girl. Yeah. It's just bonkers. She might be a foster and Catherine and Frank might be having... Or, or maybe talking about it and having thoughts about it. And then this episode would be the clincher, which means that, yes, even with a traumatic beginning, a child can still be adopted by a You can be family. adopted and you can still have a family, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, just I can, weird. Yeah. And so I have a feeling, right, for whatever reason that that must it had to have crossed some. It's written as if they are going to take this whole episode her. is structured as if it's going to end with them adopting this. Like the more we talk about it, the yeah. more certain I am. Yeah. And I think about all of the scenes. Why have this scene about you know Jordan thinking their family isn't big enough and watching his sister? Why have these conversations mirroring Jordan? And why put those little two girls together? Yes. If you're not going to end this episode with them bringing that little girl home. Because that's, here, that is the conversation as Big Bob is walking out with the two little girls. That's the conversation they should have been having. That Frank and Catherine were supposed to be having. Yes. In in Patricia Highsmith's room at the house. Yes, I really think so. And then, and they're talking about it and they're thinking about it. And then we get the wild and the innocent, which ends on a positive note of the adoption is going to work. And this girl mm-hmm. gives up her her child to these parents who are going to be so good to her son. Yeah. Right. And um, yeah, trust, trust me. I yeah, the more the more we talk, the about more it, we talk about it. It seems like that's all that could have been going on in this episode. Right. At least in that in these two episodes. Like in the previous episode, yeah, that had to be what was going on, and for some reason it got nixed. Yeah. All right. So we're we're now certain. If the writer of this episode wants to correct us on it, if you know Chris Carter wants to say no, you're seeing things. Uh, I would argue that Chris Carter is probably remembering it wrong, but at the same time, <laughs> I'll be yeah. happy to be proven wrong. But watching this, it's just that's I don't know how you can have any other reaction to the end of this episode that what well, should have happened it had three writers yeah this episode chris carter jorge zamacona and charles holland to be fair chris carter uh because he created is listed yeah. as the writer of every episode so we don't know if he actually was involved meaningfully in the episode yeah. well no we don't know that but but you know obviously he had uh, some measure of involvement in every episode he yeah. is the showrunner but yeah. we don't, and the head writer, I assume, uh, which is not always the same job. Remember, 
Uh, right. Criminal Minds has both a head writer and a showrunner. And they're different people. So it's not 100% certain. Uh, but I feel like Chris Carter was very involved in this show because he was running the show. And I feel like he had a very involved sense of, especially like when you see the recurring themes, I feel like that's coming from him probably. Uh, but yeah, the thing that gets me most is thinking about this episode, the more we look at it. Yeah, it just, it really should. Yeah. It really should. I'm sitting here going... Have ended that way. I'm going to probably have to write a review for this episode because somebody well, doesn't get the whole thing. Yeah. It doesn't get it um, at all, really. Oh, didn't really? Like, didn't like Maddie. Damn. Um, doesn't feel much like a Millennium episode. It's more about family drama than grotesque serial killings. Well, have you... You don't know? really know what Millennium is about, do you? <laughs> no. Um, because, yes. And, I, yes, the Yellow House has not gotten to you, has it? <laughs> yeah, like, if you think that it being about family drama isn't millennium then you're not watching millennium no and if you were watching it in order maybe by the end of season one you're going to figure it out yeah we can only hope because this is i don't think this is an anonymous review so (laughs) um, i'm I'm just looking is this a name uh all right we'll worry about that later so we're gonna wrap it up here (laughs) oh my god seriously though um it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. This this show is going to great places. Next time we're going to be watching uh, eleven and twelve. Do you have those episode titles ready oh, to go? Eleven is called Weeds. Oh, so, I remember Weeds. Okay, not saying anything. I remember Weeds. Horror in a small gated. Community. No, no, I know. I know. It's. It. I'm pretty sure this is the episode that has my favorite line. So there you go. And then the next one is weird. And what's the next uh, title? Loin. Loin like a hunting flame. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember that. Ep- okay. Uh, it's going to be quite a week next week is all I'll say about that. Jeez, <laughs> oh, I don't want to. Okay. You know, you don't want to know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, just, just one second. I just have to look at something. She has to look for something. Just for a sec. Just for a sec. Yeah. All right. Brad Dourif is two weeks from now. Oh, finally. Finally. We get our one of my favorite actors. Uh, yeah, now Brad Dourif's the best and everybody knows it. Oh. I mean, he was in one of the best ever episodes of Criminal Minds. It's not oh, like yeah. people don't know who he is. Oh, well, and every well everything else, Brad Dourif. No, everything Brad Dourif does. I mean, the man literally is Chucky, you know? Yes. Um, You're familiar with Chucky? Brad Dourif literally is Chucky. And also <laughs> everything else he's ever done. Oh, it, it's, yes, he is. Um, and of course, and my favorite. Favorite episode of Babylon 5. He's the yeah. star of. He was the star of. Um, uh, he was the star of Legion, The Exorcist 3, which is such an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I mean, we're going to talk... We're going to spend way too much time talking about Brad Dourif in a couple of weeks. In two weeks, yes. Yeah, in two weeks. 
Prepare yourself, people. You're going to be hearing a lot about Brad Dourif. All right, so that's that. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to us break down the episode they meant to make. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. We'll uh, we'll see you back here next time. But before then, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you want us to tee up after Millennium and maybe Profiler, uh, <laughs> drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you are listening on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find out about the show. We'll see you back here next week for more Millennium. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.